Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Proper training is the key to giving people the knowledge and tools to be successful. However, managing safety training can be overwhelming and time-consuming. Over 80% of injuries are human error. 81% of safety managers say that breaking workers free from their task is a major problem. Total Health and Safety Solutions now offers online training that will provide excellent content to your employees and make scheduling time much easier. It's important to ensure your safety training is meeting regulatory requirements, measurable, retained, and verifiable. We want to help you make safety training easy and effective, alleviating the worry, wondering if workers are being trained properly so they can perform tasks safely. Our online training, TED-Ed, gives many options to meet your specific needs and is offered in multiple languages. It's as easy as one, two, three. Go to our website at healthandsafetynow.com, click on TED-Ed in the top right corner, pick a topic, click start, and create your own account. It's that simple. With our online training, you will have greater accountability, the ability to verify training, flexibility of scheduling, improved retention, no worries with language barriers, and more time to focus on other safety needs. If proper training isn't done, injuries will continue and OSHA issues will arise. So please check out our online training. Again, it's as easy as one, two, three. Go to healthandsafetynow.com. Please join us in welcoming Brian Zoller. Brian has practiced EHS for 25 years and is currently an executive EHS director for North America Johnson Controls. Brian has worked in multiple industries, including pulp and paper, scrap, consumer products, foundry, and mechanical service, and has held multiple roles in his career, including EHS and operations. Brian and his wife, Carla, have been married 16 years and have a 15-year-old son, Oliver, and a 12-year-old daughter, Evelyn. He is an active outdoorsman enjoying hunting and fishing, and he loves the Bucks Brewers and sometimes the Packers. Hey, Brian, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Well, you know, it's great with uh, this Milwaukee weather, which is very unusual, nice and warm today, balmy 47 here at 9 (laughs) o'clock in the morning, so that's awesome. And the sun's out. No need for the hooded sweatshirts today. (laughs) No. Hey, can you kind of tell our audience a little bit about your uh, background? Sure, absolutely. So I'm a longtime EHS professional. I currently work for Johnson Controls, and I've worked in a very varied background between pulp and paper, metals, the scrap industry, now on the mechanical and installation side from a construction standpoint. Majority of my career has been as an EHS professional, but a couple of times I've dabbled on the dark side in operations <laughs> at a couple different stops that. in my life, including running a foundry in, in Lincoln, Nebraska for a little bit over a year as an opportunity to grow myself. So that's who I am. On top of that, more importantly, I have a beautiful family, a daughter, 
and a son and a beautiful wife, and I've been married for 16 years. Outside of that, huge sports fan. It's easy to be in Wisconsin, and I love the outdoors. So, Well, this isn't our best year, but yes, I, I agree with you. It could be a little bit better on the sports standpoint, but anyway. Hey, uh, also, the extreme background that you have, which your versatility within safety, I think is going to add so much to our listeners today. So, like I said, Brian has a unique understanding of both general industry and the construction side, and you don't see that every day. So, thank you for being on. Absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate it. Kind of talking about your background and how you've dabbled in a little bit of everything. A lot of times we have safety professionals on, and it's not nice to kind of see what has worked for them, what hasn't. I'm sure it depends on who you're working with, what industry you're in, or maybe not. But what tools or approaches do you use to effectively manage hazards in the field? Is it the same across the board? Does it change depending on the environment? I think we're relatively unique here at Johnson Controls. Five years ago, we started down the path of the creation of our own safety application we call BeSafe, and it gets pushed out. We have it both on our desktops, but we also push it out to all of our technicians. We call them wired. So every one of our technicians in the field in the U.S. and Canada has a cell phone, and they can go onto their cell phone and pull up our BeSafe app. And we continue to grow that application. So, And we use technology. I think technology is huge now within the EHS field. But based on that, you know, we work in so many different venues. So we're in hospital settings. We're on heavy construction sites. We work for the government. I can remember I was maybe three days into this job and I was asked if we had an Apache helicopter safety program because we had to get into some government equipment and fly to a designated black site that we had to drop our cell phones and have all this stuff in place. So we are so varied in what we do. And the tool that we create and we constantly recreate is an application where our employees can go in and they're required to at the beginning of every job or every major task. And they do a risk assessment where they go through a whole list of potential risks that they may face on a job site. And it triggers them to think through what the risk, what the control is. And at the end of the day, if they don't have a control to work safe, they have to do a stop work and it actually pushes them to do a stop work. So that's one of the tools we use within JCI to keep our employees safe. So we have different groups we work with. We have HVAC, so heating and cooling that we do work with. We have security, we have fire protection install. So all three of those are very varied in what we do, but this tool allows them to identify risk in the field and make sure we're controlling it. So that's one of the things we utilize. And the nice thing is we're constantly updating it. It's our application. So as we're in the field, if we have an incident, part of our corrective action coming out is validating that our tool meets all of our requirements. So we have the ability to update it. We're constantly doing that after every one of our incidents. Well, you know, that, that's so neat to have that. And it's customized to exactly what you guys do versus being more of a general, which is a lot of the stuff that's probably sold out there, right? I mean, kind of. Yeah, it's interesting because we have a lot of our subcontractors who want to use our Be Safe tool. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. And we don't allow that, obviously, from a legal standpoint. We'd hate to miss a risk in the field and have them do something. But yeah, it's an opportunity. And and over time, that's evolved, actually. Now, as we identify near misses in the field, so if we have a stop work that creates a near miss opportunity, so now we can document all of our near misses in there. And we tie that to what we call our critical six life-saving rules. So we, we are tying all of this into one singular application. And then for our leaders in the field, 
We require our leaders to go out and do observations. We call it simply leader safety observations, which is part of that tool as well now. So they can document all their leader safety observations in the same tool. It's one platform that we can pull analytics out of, and it just it helps drive our organization to the next level. I was going to say it's really a one-stop place where everyone can kind of know what's going on. I'm kind of listening to it. And, you know, like you said, technology, sometimes it can be great. Sometimes it can be a little iffy, but really used the right way, it can benefit. And I'm listening to this example. And like you said, everyone, it sounds like you supply everyone with a phone, but I feel like everyone has a phone on them. You have this common app, Be Safe, that everyone can kind of stay on the same page, know what's going on. It sounds like a great way to communicate with, with without things getting lost. Have you seen a lot of, I guess, improvement overall? I don't know. How long have you had the app? So we've had the app for about five years. And yeah, improvement, improvement is constant. So every time I spend personally, I still spend a lot of time in the field. And that is where we get a lot of our idea creation. When we started with this tool, it was bulky at best. It didn't flow well. It caused right. a lot of high blood pressure. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Both but it, but it's leadership. change, right? Change is tough, especially in the construction industry. Absolutely. So we continue to evolve that. And we've added call lists into it. So now if we have an incident, our employees know who they have to call and the phone numbers are embedded. We've added training in there. So now when we take our training, we have quizzes that we can take. We take it right in our phone. It logs it both from an OSHA standpoint, because you have to have those records. But now we have a means of tracking that from an analytics standpoint as well. Just this year, we've added our PPE matrix. So a requirement from OSHA is you have to list out your PPE and evaluate. We have that embedded now. So if I have an employee who has to work electrical, live electrical, it automatically opens up a section within that tool so they understand what they need to be wearing and when they need to wear it. So that's how it evolves. And and it's fun and it's exciting and we control it, right? I don't have to go to a Microsoft or a third-party organization and pay to have it done. We have somebody right on our own team that can make those changes. Yeah, that's really nice. Talking about technology, did you find it was harder to implement with the workers who had been around a while versus younger workers? Or did you not really see a generational issue with it? No, I would say we haven't had that problem as a technology organization. We utilize phones for a lot of our applications in the field. So it's how we log our hours. It's how we do specific um, tasks for our fire and our security domain. So a lot of our technicians are already accustomed to going in there. Now we do training as we have 15% turnover, like most organizations do. So we have If you want to get a really good experience HVAC mechanic, you're going to have to do some onboarding with them upon hire to get them up to speed. So we do that on the front side. And yeah, there's a learning curve like with everything, but I think it's a great tool. And the fact that we get the feedback that we get on a daily basis tells me we're going down the right path. Well, I think there's a key to success of what you just said, right? Listening for feedback, because the reality is both you and I have been in safety for many years. We don't want to go on about how long, but we've both been in there for a while. And what I've always found is that the guys doing the work actually know what they're doing and they have the solutions. Sometimes they don't know and we got to help them with that. So I think that's what's really neat about what you guys do is that you're listening for that feedback. But I have two questions on, on the cell phone usage. Number one is, so it's for everybody, not just the foreman. I would take that, right? Oh, it's for every employee. Absolutely. Yep. 
So do you have any issues with people perhaps maybe being distracted by that phone because they're going into it or or not? You don't have that issue? I'm sure we do. So there are sometimes we've had a trip and fall incidents where somebody's walking and looking at a cell phone. And it's something that we try to be cognizant of as we talk about it. We have safe place. You're supposed to step to a side and use it. Much like in manufacturing, most manufacturing settings have the same thing where people ask not to walk and look at a cell phone. And it's interesting, our Canadian team just did a presentation on cell phone usage because that is becoming one of the greatest risks slash distractions that we are seeing with the younger generation of employees coming into the field, right? This never used to be an issue, but we have both manufacturing and the service and install side of the house. And and we still have employees that won't put their phone down when they're operating a forklift. So we battle that. It's, it's a real risk and we stay ahead of it. But we do ask that our employees do this on the front side as a risk um, identifying um, tool to begin with and then put the phones away as we go forward. And I think, like you said, that's everywhere, right? Everyone has a phone. We have a client who recently wanted you to address, right, cell phone use. And it's just something that you you have to deal with. They're not going away. And, you know, common sense doesn't always prevail. But Well, I mean, what happens is that we all get busy, right? And we want to be productive. and, And one way of being productive and doing two things, multitasking, is looking at your phone and walking or whatever, doing that. And so in their mind frame... They're thinking, well, this is fine because I'm getting two things done. I'm, you know, I'm being efficient and effective, all that kind of stuff. But we just don't take that moment, just like everything else, to think, you know what, there's a risk here that adds on to it. I don't know how you feel about that, Brian. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because four years ago when I started with JCI, we rolled out a new program where we do not allow cell phone usage in vehicles at all. So if you're traveling, you have to put a phone down, not even Bluetooth or hands-free. We don't allow that. Had to have a conversation with one of our senior leaders to reinforce those points the other day because they're new to the organization and we found out that wasn't embedded in our onboarding training. But it's important because it is a huge distraction and a cell phone is, you know, it's hard to have a conversation with my children sometimes because they're not <laughs> yeah. putting it down right. Amen and, to that, yes. <laughs> and it's how the world works now. And instead of saying you can't, you have to figure out, and that's one thing we do within JCI, we figure out how to make it work rather than just saying no. You know, my parents were good. No, why? Because I said so. Yeah. We don't live in that world anymore. Confirmed we by that. And you, and you understood though, didn't you, Brian? You understood that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So we have to adapt to our employees and, you know, diversity and inclusion, that's a huge thing for us as well, because, and I know I'm making a leap there, but everybody has a different background and some of our older employees, they only use a cell phone when they need to. And some of our younger, it's like a third attachment on their body. So, um, or appendage on their body. So it's, you, you have to be able to work in that and be able to communicate that as well. I think you're very right though. You can't just say no, you have to adapt and you have to make things happen within reason because this is the way of the world and our young, our younger kids growing up, it's just what they know, you know? So you have, Absolutely. To, you have to work with, with the situation. I just have to, we'll go on to the next question, but this Be Safe app just, it sounds really, really good, like something everyone should have. I know sometimes when we're starting with a new client, sometimes they're overwhelmed at, you know, everywhere they have to go for the little pieces of safety or the information and such. And one thing we do is try to, you know, hound that together and make it simple for them. But an app like this, not everyone can do that, but it just sounds 
like a really, really smart thing. Yeah, I, I'm lucky enough to have not had to create it. I've molded it to where we need to be. But yeah, I think it's extremely beneficial for our overall EHS program. And then as I stated, we can pull analytics out of it. So, so many organizations, you know, still focus on a total recordable incident rate, right? Lagging indicators. But our leading indicators, we pull all of our leading indicators for the most part, out of this app. So, I mean, we have more leading indicators than lagging. And and we look at our leader safety observations as one of them. How many times are our leaders engaging with our, our workforce? And how often are our employees doing risk assessments? How often are they utilizing near misses? One thing I've noticed in life, and this is how we educate on near misses, when you buy a new car, it's amazing prior to you buying that new car, you've never seen one on the road. The minute you buy a new car, they're everywhere, right? And that's how we treat hazards in the field. If you're not looking for that hazard, you're never going to see it. But we educate our workforce to identify risk and hazard everywhere. I should say identify the hazards and calculate the risk. But we do that all the time. And because of it, I think last month we turned in 17,000 near misses. We have 28,000 employees and we're not even at our goal, right? So we have all of these leading indicators, training, near miss, PJC, which is our pre-job checklist, which is part of this application. And then driver risk is another thing. So we look at all of those behaviors and that's what drives our overall program. And it's been very successful for us. You know, it sounds like you have a lot of neat processes, I always like to say, because I don't like, I never like program because that, that to me is can. I mean, process is kind of like what you, we were already talking about is always evolving, right? And so what, what what do you think is your strongest individual process uh, that you have used at the JCI to manage risk? It seems simple, but it's stop work. Stop work is by far the most important tool we have. We do so much training with it, but we empower every one of our employees at any point to stop work. I talked about how we have it built into our Be Safe application, but we embed that all the time because I want every one of our employees to feel that it's their safety program, their environmental program. So at any point that they feel uncomfortable or that they think they don't have a solution, they have the ability to stop work and then they can call their leader and we can engage the right people to make decisions. We leave job sites all the time because the customer doesn't value safety the same way we value safety. And we have to pull our sales team together with customers and go back and reevaluate job sites. So I think at an individual level, stop work is by far the greatest tool we have in our toolbox to be successful. I'm just listening to what you're saying. And I, the word integrity as a company comes through how you say like sometimes you have to halt a job if people aren't agreeing, like you're not going to take any, any risks, like you're serious about this. And the word empower, you know, giving your employees or workers a voice. That's that's a really big deal. And even though maybe some companies think they do that, a lot of times that's missed. So the fact that's one of your strongest programs right there, that, that says a lot. Well, and obviously leadership too, right? I mean, because Brian, you could only do so much, right? No matter what. And, and a lot of people are listening, would love to be in that, be able to have that with some of the leadership that they have. So that's always kind of that thing that goes on within safety, wouldn't you say, Brian? Absolutely. So we are proud to say we have a leader-led program. So within one portion, the business unit, that is our service and install in North America, we have 28,000 employees. We have 14 EHS professionals. We have an incident rate of a 0.41 and a mod rate of a 0.39. 
that has come over time, but it's because we embed leader-led at every level. Our leaders do the training. We educate them to make sure they're competent, but we've empowered them using that phrase, which is a great phrase, to know that they're in charge, that our employees have the right to stop work, that they have to go through our leaders. And a lot of organizations have very big EHS departments, and then leaders feel like they're not obligated to make decisions, and they have to be part of the process if you go forward. And Ted, I agree. A program has a start and a finish, and a process continues to evolve over time. So absolutely, I'm aligned with that phrase. But yeah, what we've done, and I can't take credit for it, we have strong leaders throughout our organization. It starts with our CEO being George Oliver. We have an amazing president, Julie Brandt, within our BSNA team. So we have the power and they understand safety and they understand a strong culture. And that's what's gotten us where we are today. Well, one thing I'd like to talk a little bit about is how do you integrate the safety along with the worker comp? So when I started, workers comp was within our risk team, and now we've embedded workers comp within the safety team. So within my organization that I'm responsible for, they work with me, but we do a lot of work directly with them. So we've created a a singular line. So every time an employee gets injured in the field, they call our workers comp line. So they call our injury reporting line, they turn it in. It starts a process where we start an investigation. We have our leaders in the field do the investigation. We partner with them. And then we are so closely knit between the EHS team and our workers comp team to help make sure we're doing strong investigations, make sure that we have the information that our workers comp team needs to be successful when they're talking with our insurance carriers to make sure we're managing back to work. So it allows us to ensure in the field that we have opportunities for our employees to come back to work, whether it's training or modified duty or transitional duty, whatever phrase you want to work with. And then on a weekly basis, we go through every one of our incidents to make sure we're aligned from an EHS and workers comp team to make sure we're aligned on what we do and how we're doing it. We follow that up on a monthly basis. And then when we do our OSHA logs at the end of the year, we as a massive team get together and it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, but we do that as a team together. It just keeps us in step with each other. And it's one of the reasons we're successful. There is never a spot within JCI, within the groups I work with, where we think, boy, that workers comp team doesn't understand the risk or they're not working with us and vice versa. And that's why we've been very successful. Thus, the reason we have a mod rate of a 0.39. And that, and that's very impressive. I know when uh, I started with a construction company, they had them separately. And one of the things I asked as, as we went along was that I had control on both of them because I knew all the information on both of them and we could control all that stuff. So I think that those are great steps for anybody that's listening here that may not have control of the worker comp. That's important to have that too within that. And then also go back to other things that I think will lead to success within the career. Yeah, and the tighter you are, there. And then, you know, you have to have your human resources team directly involved in everything you do as well. I mean, if we have discipline and we're not a big company that we started heavy on discipline. And as we wanted to grow our program, we've we've gone more to culture than we are with discipline. So it's the coaching, it's the reinforcement, which is why we do leader safety observations in the field. I've learned a long time ago that if you start with discipline and compliance, you don't get as far. You start with culture, compliance and risk follow suit 
all an employee wants to do from their leader is know that their leader cares about them. And the minute you start that platform of relationship building and trust and respect, you're going to get a lot farther within any program. Absolutely. It just sounds like you guys have an appreciation for each other. You know, it's not about who's doing what and we're doing this and you have to handle that. You take the time to form the relationships between the groups. And like you said, that's building a culture and that that says a lot right there. I kind of want to move on to another question. We talked about technology a bit and the app that you've created. Are there some other trends or development in EHS in the field that you see shaping the future moving forward? Yeah, it's simple answer is yes. So coming out of COVID, we learned a lot. Number one, a cell phone now is so much different than a cell phone was. So when we have Teams applications on your phone, there are a lot of times that we do one-on-ones in the field where we'll call. So in Canada, we have a lot of remote workers. So when we want to look at a job site and we want to do a one-on-one, if we can't get there, we call in and we we put our phones on on video and we walk job sites and look at job sites. When we have an employee that does a stop work, they'll do the same thing where you'll go to a video call and we can take a look from a remote location at what an employee is seeing to understand what that risk is, what the hazard is, calculate the risk and, and move forward. So that's one thing that we really started to get stronger with coming out of COVID as as we were limited. In our lives during COVID, so many businesses would not allow anybody else besides our technicians or mechanics on site. So we couldn't have a leader go onto a job site. We had to do it electronically. So that's we started learning down that path. We played with Google Glass. Um, we tried that out a little bit when we did audits. There's a, I'm not going to say it's not a good tool. There's a time and a place for that tool. And if you're not used to using it, it can be a little awkward, which is why just using a cell phone and the camera function or video function is great. We're starting to play around with drones, right? Rather than me having to have a technician or a mechanic climb to the top of a ladder, why not just put a drone up there and take a look at it? So it's technology that we're starting to look at because it just eliminates the risk Um, In the construction trade, you know, falls from height continue to be one of the greatest risks that we have all the time. Yeah. Climbing a ladder. There's a lot of. Number one again, unfortunately. Yep. And there's a lot of there's a lot of risk and hazard associated there. So if we can use a drone to go take a look at something rather than sending an employee up a ladder, that's the way to start managing it. And and I think that's where a lot of different companies are going to go. Think about a drone. You can drop that into a confined space. I no longer have to go into a confined space just to take a look at something. I can send a drone in there. I don't have to worry about a confined space permit. I don't have to do a bump test on a monitor, on a forecast monitor. I can do that work, make a determination if I have to go in there. So there's so many ways that we can use a drone. And I think that's where you're going to see both in manufacturing and in the construction trades, they're going to be used more widely than they are. And you can get them any size, right? I mean, they make drones now that you can fly like a plane and you've got small ones that can get in really tight spots. So those are opportunities for us as well. Absolutely. You know, they, they've been in the construction industry a little bit and I think they're still struggling on how to exactly use them. But I agree with you. I mean, there are so many opportunities like what 
what you guys do and what you do very well, Brian, is that you're looking at innovative ways of doing yeah. things and not just sitting still. You guys have been very successful in what you're doing. So sometimes what people want to do is a little bit of, you know, moving their thumbs and just kind of relax and pat themselves on the back while you guys, and this is the reason why you're successful, you keep on looking for, for the new, new next, next thing. And sometimes it doesn't work and then you move on. So that's, I think that's great. Yeah. And I'm blessed to work at a company with some very intelligent people, right? So we have, we, we have engineer, n- number one, we have technicians in the field that are super intelligent. We're probably the best at that level within the three domains between fire and security and HVAC. But then we have a ton of really smart engineers that are constantly dabbling in this area. And we, we have technology on our side. We're a technology company. So we think different. And, and because of that, it's driving our program, our EHS program and all of our programs as we move forward. Yeah, just listening to this conversation, you can really tell kind of the different dynamic that that you have there and what, what different ideas have kind of come to life. I just want to end with one question. Um, are there one? any, wow, that's, that's, that's are there any um, like misconceptions about the field of EHS that you'd like to point out? Yeah, there's a lot. I could spend 30 minutes or more <laughs> on this alone, to be honest. Two, two that I'd cover. One is that the EHS team owns operational EHS, right? And I think we've proven at Johnson Controls that through a leader-led approach, if your leadership buys into it and they're at the same table, that it doesn't have to be the EHS team that has to drive an EHS program or process or any of that, right? And, And I think that's what we've done successfully. And the other thing that I hear all the time that bothers me every time I hear it is that safety has to be a priority. I learned when I was in manufacturing, running a plant, that safety cannot be a priority. Safety has to be a value that is embedded into your program. There are many times when a piece of equipment is down and it's not running, that safety is not the number one priority. Safety is a value of every employee that's working to get that piece of equipment up. And if safety is part of your overall organizational DNA, which is how you tie it back to culture, and it's part of every decision-making process, you go a lot farther than safety being a priority. And I think those are two misconceptions that continue to live. And when I hear a senior leader say, safety is a priority, I'm quick to say no. It's one of our leading values, and we have many. Well, and, and safety first, right? That That's another one that just, I don't have much hair, but it does uh, <laughs> go back in the back of my neck, you know, and, and stuff like that. But, hey, Brian, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show today. I think there was a tremendous amount of value you brought to our yes. listeners and to myself, too. And, and so thank you very much. But as you know, I'm the positive safety coach, and now we're going to have a little... Uh, this is a little fun time now that I used to say used to be my favorite part, but I'm thinking it might be Barb's now. She's enjoying these jokes too much. I don't know. Well, and Brian actually did send us a few jokes too. <laughs> did you share those with your kids? I get those from oh, my kids. <laughs> it's, well, it's something we talk about. It, it's one thing my kids bring to the dinner table. So I'm a big, I'm a 1950s father yet. So we try to do every dinner together and we still pray together and we do all of that no matter how old. But yeah, it's something that they bring and uh, I love it. Hey everybody, this is Ted. You want to move your career along quicker? Allow me to be able to mentor you. Time for mentoring within a lot of our organizations is tough. Time is little. of mentees say it is very valuable for their career to be mentored. It is a tough job that just doesn't have enough time for safety professionals sometimes. 
I have mentored over 100 safety professionals in my career, and we are the best at mentoring safety professionals because we understand the work. We have a simple three-step process to get you started. Go to healthandsafetynow.com, click on the black button in the top right corner, fill out the information, and submit. It is that easy, and we can get started tomorrow. Look forward to hearing from you. Have a super safe day. Well, here, we'll have two more for you that you can share with Oliver and Evelyn, right? Yeah. Oh, I have the first one. How do you make an egg roll? No idea. You push it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, mine's a little bit better, all right? (laughs) Because, well, it is. And, And what does a cake and baseball have in common? What does a cake and baseball have in common? They both have a batter. Oh, you got a way to go. Have you heard it before or you're just that smart? Well, now you got two. This is why my kids get frustrated because I ruin their jokes Uh, all the time. Well, I was going to say, you have two to go home to uh, with your kids tonight and say, hey, I got these two. See how they do. See if they can get like that. You can say, well, I got that one today. So there you go. (laughs) I will do that. Hey, again, thanks for being on the show. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Brian, how would they go about doing that? They can contact me through LinkedIn. So look me up on LinkedIn. Absolutely. I, it's one of the few things that I keep an eye on, but if I get a message or a contact request through LinkedIn, I'm, I'm always open to answer it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. And have a super safe day. Thank you very much. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Ted Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. Thank you.